0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn them over to Romans. We're going to start there, Romans 1. And we're going to start into a new series this morning at church, which I'm excited about. We're going to be titling this series, Good News. Good News. Good news. So let's turn to Romans 1 in verse 16 and 17. We're going to read it from the New Living. If you don't have a Bible, we got it on the screen for you. I like to read it off the screen. It says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Verse 17. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, as the scripture says. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. So I'm going to start a series today, which we're going to continue probably the next month or so, about good news. And uh, so I got a word and a half for you today. You might be here a while, but I got a lot to say Uh, Not just today, but the next several, several weeks about good news because we need it now more than ever. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message today is called Good News for the World. Good News for the World. Now, I don't know if you've uh, noticed in the past few years that the world has issues. Um, That would be the biggest understatement I've ever said in my life. Uh, And also, we would realize that the church has issues, too. Slow start, but we'll get there. (laughs) Um, And the condition of the world, this is the time that the church of Jesus Christ should shine brighter than ever. These are the days not where the church should be going and running and hiding and going to a bunker in Montana, Waiting for the return of the Lord. No, this is the time for the church to be the light that we've always been called to be. That we we're called to be the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That we are called to be the salt and the light on the earth that people recognize what we have and they want what we have. This is the time for the church to shine the brightest right now. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this church family. And the Bible always says when it gets darker in the world, it's going to get brighter in the church. And guess what? When, when it's dark outside, the light really stands out. Yeah, right. Things are attracted to the light. And uh, we need to be the church. But the church, if it's going to be the light that it needs to be, has to be preaching a message that's worth listening to. <laughs> and, and we need to be preaching the actual true gospel that's in this Bible which is called the good news. And we need to be preaching that message. The reason why a lot of people don't want what the church has is because they're not being taught the good news. They're being taught religion, which is bad news. A lot of churches teach religion. A lot of churches teach legalism. A lot of churches teach uh, bad news. It's not very encouraging. They come and go to church and they're like, I don't feel much better. I don't think anything changed. I don't got any hope. We're preaching it the wrong way if people leave the service feeling that way. Because the gospel, which is the, the core of all we believe as Christians, the gospel message, which really means in the original, it means good news, then, then people should be receiving some good news when they come to church. That people should be receiving some good news when they talk to you at their job and you're their coworker. They shouldn't be hearing negative stuff they heard off Fox News. They should be hearing some good news because we of all people on the planet should be the most positive, faith-filled, hope-filled people on the planet. No matter what's going on in the world, the church should look like that. Why? Because they really believe the good news. And when we're getting negative and down and pessimistic and hopeless, just like the world, Somewhere along the lines, we have stopped believing the gospel and the good news. We don't really believe it either. But our message is to the world, and it is good news to the world. Now, a couple years ago, we had a summer camp called Good News. I think it was 2020. <sighs> Yikes. So can I tell you a story about what happened? So this was like, you know, we, you wear your camp shirt after camp. And I had my camp shirt that said, good news. And it was rainbow colored, tie-dye. So all could see. I don't know if you remember 2020, but it was a rough time and people weren't too friendly to be around. So in the height of COVID, this was like about two months after camp, after we all got COVID from going to camp. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We'll let it go. I have my camp shirt on and I walk into Kidoba and we're still in the days that like people can't even go into restaurants and sit down. We're in 2020, that part where if you do get food, you have to get it to go. You got to walk in with a mask and a hazmat suit, grab your food. Don't look at anybody. Don't talk to anybody and leave. So, I had my good news shirt on, not thinking twice about it. I always wear my camp shirts. That's what I do. I get my camp shirts. I like them. I wear them. I got old camp shirts from many years ago. So I got my bright colored tie dye good news shirt in the height of COVID when everybody's a grump to be around and it's an awkward time. So I walk in there and this older gentleman walks in behind me and we're standing in the Qdoba line. And he just starts going in on my shirt. Now, I'm a good pastor. I did not turn around once. I did not say anything back to him. But in front of all of Qdoba, with all of our masks on, he read my shirt and he said, good news. What kind of good news is going on in 2020? Everybody's got COVID. This is a pandemic. There's no good news. So I was just like. Uh, steak quesadilla please um, I'm like what am I going to say what, it's not the time to preach to the man in the Qdoba line but we've kind of kept that attitude though as a world the past several years good news what is good news there's no good news and how many know if you watch the news the good news usually doesn't sell that's why Fox, CNN, MSNBC they're constantly talking about bad news tragedy, war, disease, conspiracy theory, whatever you want to call it. They are constantly pumping that because people have gotten used to the negative and bad news. But the gospel is good news. And if that man only really knew, even during a pandemic and during COVID, there could still be good news if you believe the gospel. That God is still good even though there's things that are happening on the earth that are bad. There's still good news when people are dying. There's still good news when there's war. There's still good news when it's hard to pay for gas. There's still good news because God is still good. And the good news is still true. No matter our circumstances, the gospel and the good news is still true. And I believe with all my heart the world wants it more than they ever had in their life. They want to know the good news of the gospel. They are thirsty for it. They are hungry for it. They are empty and they need the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus now more than ever. They need it and they want it. Now, now they would always can't articulate what they want, but they know they need something. Have we all been there? I mean, we've all been there pre-Christ, pre-good news, you knew you needed something. You just didn't know what you needed. You didn't know how to fill that void or fill that hurt or fill that pain. You didn't know how to fill that emptiness. You knew there was something more. You were thirsting for something more. You were hungering for something more. You needed something more. And all you needed was the gospel, the good news. That's what you've always been looking for. But if the church keeps their mouth shut, how will they ever know the good news? We carry the greatest message that's ever been preached on the planet. All of us in here, we are carriers of this good news message. But how will they know unless we say something? Look at this verse in Proverbs 25, 25 in the New King James. It says, as cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Look at the way it says it in the Passion Translation. Like a drink of cool water to a weary, thirsty soul. That's the state of the world right now. So hearing good news revives the spirit. Hear me, church family, the world wants it. They might not act like they always want it, but they need the good news of Jesus. Because they're thirsty and they need... The good news. And it says the gospel, the good news, is like water to the weary, thirsty soul. Jesus said in the gospels that when you come to me, you won't hunger and thirst anymore. Because I am the true and living water. You won't have to thirst anymore. But they won't know unless we tell them the good news about Jesus. And it's like water to the thirsty soul. Many of us in the church, outside the church, are exhausted, tired, burned out physically, mentally, emotionally. Why? Because we haven't heard any good news in a while. I want you to know this morning, even if the news never says it, you can still hear good news every day. You know where it's at? Right here. That's why sometimes you got to shut off the news at this point in time. Stop scrolling through CNN. Stop putting on Fox News and listening to it all day. And then you're wondering, why am I burned out, exhausted, tired, and depressed like everyone else? Because you're hearing bad news all day long. And we are called as believers to be preaching the good news of what God is doing in this earth today. The good news about Jesus But notice once we hear that good news, even for us that even know Jesus, when you hear it again, there's a refreshing that comes to you. When you drink of him again, there's a renewing that comes to you. Just like, what does it say, like a thirsty, weary soul, like cold water is when you hear the good news. But what is the good news? What is the gospel message? Well, let's read a verse here, Mark 16 and verse 15. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. Notice what he said. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, or the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So this in your Bible is what they call the Great Commission. It's at the end of Mark, it's at the end of Matthew, and these are some of the last words Jesus said. Now, when someone's about to go to heaven, or leave this earth, the things they say before they pass away are important. They don't talk about fluff. They don't talk about things that don't matter. They talk about the most important things, and one of the last things Jesus said was, go into all the world and preach this good news. The Bible calls this the great commission, not the great suggestion. Where you at this morning? (laughs) Because many believers treat it that way. They leave it to the people in their church that are the most vocal people. Like, you're very... Uh, socially aware and you're very bold and you're an extrovert. So they're the preachers at church, but that's not me. No, the Bible says he called all of us as his people, as his disciples to preach the gospel and the good news throughout all the world. And it's the Great Commission. He commissioned us as his followers, as his sons and daughters to go do this. He didn't suggest it. He didn't say, you know, if you get time, I know you got a lot of things going on, share about the good news. He said, that's your number one priority while you're here on the earth. Share this gospel good news message. So why? So people can come in to my family. So people can come back home to God. So people can find the hope and healing in me, that they could come back into a relationship with me. The good news, they need to hear it. But how can they hear unless someone preaches it? But it's a great commission. Notice the word commission. Co-mission. Because the Bible says it's not just us doing this work. The Bible says that it's God and us working together. The Bible says that we are co laborers with God. Co-workers with God. That this mission that needs to be accomplished and then Jesus will come back is a part of not only us, but God's working through us as his church. The Bible says it like this. There's the Spirit, and there's the church. And we're working together to fulfill the mission of God on the earth. It's a co-mission. Not just a mission, it's a co-mission. And it's true for us today. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding. I just had to stop and say that for a second. Because I'm just getting started. I said I got a word and a half today, so you better be ready for it. The gospel message, this co-mission that he's given us, is a promise that when we step out to share the good news, it's not just us sharing the good news. That when we step out and move and share our faith and preach our faith and step out on this gospel good news message, that it's not just us. The Holy Spirit comes to give us the power to know what to say, to know how to say it, and that God's presence can be there to change people's lives. It's a co-mission. The great commission. The spirit and the church fulfilling God's mission. And guess what? As soon as that gets done, then Jesus will come back. But we got a long way to go to get that done. The great commission. That's what you read the whole book of Acts is the church carrying on the mission of God through the Holy Spirit. The co-mission. But what did? Jesus said, the last few things he said, preach the gospel in all the world. Preach the good news in all the world. That's a call that all of us have in here, not just me. Saying, well, pastor, you're the preacher. No, we're all preachers. I just preach behind this pulpit, but you preach behind the pulpit of your work at your school at the coffee shop, at the gym, in your neighborhood. No, we're all preaching something, and we're all preaching a certain type of gospel every day. We're all preachers here. And Jesus' last thing, he said, preach the gospel, the good news. It's our commission. But let's look at what is the gospel. Are you ready for this? Can I teach you for a second? We'll get back to into preaching so you can get excited in a moment. I know you want to be. You're, you're ready to be. So what is the gospel? But well, let's just look at the word gospel. What is the word gospel? Well, as you know, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. Now, the New Testament's written in Greek. The Old is written in Hebrew. This word gospel in Greek is the word evangelion. Y'all want to say that? You want to try it? Like, I'm from southern Indiana. I don't even know how to speak English. Let's not try Greek. The word gospel in the Greek language is the word evangelion. Now, this word evangelion is translated and means good news. That's why the New Living Translation, which we've been reading out of, already translates and says good news instead of gospel. So, this word gospel. In the original is the word evangelion, which is translated and means good news. The gospel is a good news message that is shared. But if you notice that word in Greek, that sounds like some other words we know today. And there's a reason for that because that's where they got that word. Evangelion, which means gospel, is where we get the word evangelism or evangelist or evangelical. What does that mean? The, all those English words come from the Greek word gospel. That, that means that it is a person who shares the gospel or the good news message. If you're an evangelist, what does that mean? No, you share the good news message. If, if you believe in evangelism, that means you believe in sharing God's good news gospel message. So this word in the Greek has a history behind it and see that's why it's so important we study the bible because sometimes you don't know the true meaning behind certain words until you study ancient languages but how many of you know most words we know have a background of why they are the way they are so this word gospel did not first come from the writers of the bible this word gospel evangelion was a term known in the Roman world. So, this is what would happen. They would send out to different parts of the Roman world people who would take news. Now, they didn't have Fox News, CNN. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't even have newspapers. So... They would send people to all these Roman towns to share the news. You, you guys know, you've seen movies where somebody rides into town and says, Heary, heary. The king has said. And then they go to the next town. But do you know what they called those people? Evangelist. Stay with me. Why? Because they would go from town to town sharing the good news of what was happening in the Roman government and what was happening with the emperor, Caesar Augustus. Stay with me. So, this word comes from that to preach and proclaim the good news. And this is what would happen. People would go in from town to town in the Roman world, in the Roman government, which was happening at the time that these scriptures were written in the New Testament, and these evangelist evangelion gospel preachers good news preachers would come and preach their gospel which in their day it wasn't really gospel it was propaganda so they would go to towns and they would use language like this are you ready for this they would go and they would say listen this is the gospel of caesar and they would say caesar is the son of god Caesar has brought great victory to us. Caesar has healed us. Caesar has delivered us. Caesar has done this and this, and he's brought great victory to us. And because of that, hear the good news. So, the writers of the New Testament on purpose, especially Apostle Paul, who was a brilliant man, uses that same language to write his letters and say, Listen, this was counterculture. He's saying, Oh, you thought Caesar or the Emperor was God? He's not God. Jesus is the real God. He is the real Son of God. And you thought that was good news? No, that was propaganda. There's only one Savior, there's only one Lord, and He's not Caesar, he's Jesus Christ. And he has brought real victory, real peace, real prosperity, real healing to us. So that's why you get why these early Christian writers a lot of times they got thrown in jail or killed because what they were preaching was countercultural to the emperor and all of Rome. Now, now here's the awesome part about, about that. If you know anything about what happened is Christianity spread and spread and spread because the gospel was more powerful than Rome. And as you know, the Roman government fell, and we're still celebrating all the Christianity that started 2,000 years ago and what Jesus did. So even that great empire and that great place of power and authority got brought down by simple preachers of the gospel sharing the true good news of Jesus. So when we share the gospel, it's good news, But good news about what? It's not about a government we're sharing about. It's not about a a type of person. It's not about a business or an organization that makes a certain amount of money. No, this gospel, this good news we preach is about what God is doing in this earth right now. It's the good news of what Jesus has done for us And in us, and he has brought real victory, real peace, real prosperity. He has saved us, healed us, and not in a way that a government leader could do or a celebrity could do, but as God himself could do. Now, this isn't in my notes, but I need to say it, church family. We're going to have to get off the political train as believers. I didn't hear you. We're gonna have to get off the political train as believers. Because what I hear on Christian TV and Christian podcasts, more than I hear the good news of Jesus, I hear the good news of Trump, which is really not good news at all. Or on the opposite side, I hear progressive Christians preaching the, the gospel of Biden and the Democrats. Both are equally wrong. They are not the Savior, they are not the Lord. And they don't have good news for anybody. And we as the body of Christ are going to decline, decline, decline if we keep preaching politics in the pulpits and on Facebook and on Christian TV promoting Republicans, Democrats, and the rest of this nonsense who hasn't saved anybody a day in your life. Come on now, somebody. But get back to what we're really supposed to be talking about is not The U.S. of A. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's not about the gas prices. It's not about war in Ukraine. We're called to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the good news of what Jesus is doing, the gospel of God at work in our world today, not politics, not governments, not businesses, not anything else but the good news of Jesus. Hear me, church family, the church world is losing its effectiveness because we're getting off on these side trails that lead to nowhere, especially in politics right now. And it's not of God. Don't act like it is because it's not. They are not a Savior. They are not a Lord, just like Caesar Augustus wasn't. Jesus is. And we as believers would start being more effective because there's no power when you preach other gospels. Saying, well, I'm not effective when I share my faith with other people. Because you're talking about stuff that's not important the rest of the week. There's no power on Trump. There's no power on Biden. There's no power on gas prices. There's no power on the war in Ukraine. There's power in the good news of Jesus. There's power in the gospel message. There's power when we share what God is doing in the earth. Because the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us and gives us the power to do what we can't do in our own strength. Are you here or did you go home? Did you get offended? Please stay the rest of the time. Because I'm going to keep going. Hear me, church family. We're not going to be a church like that. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is the good news about Jesus. You got to let the politics go, people. Let it go. I got to get back to my notes, but I want to say one thing else. I got to say it. Listen to me. All of the early Christians, the first hundred years of Christianity were under a dictator. The emperor of Rome. They turned out okay. They did more work in evangelism than we ever imagined to do in those couple hundred years. And they were under a dictatorship, which we are not in America. If they could do that in that situation, why are we so concerned about politics? Let's get some perspective here. Yes, vote. Yes, pray for the right person. But after that, let it go. You have to believe God can do something even if this country turned into something crazy like that, which I don't believe it will, but I'm just saying the early believers didn't have a choice. They were born into the Roman government, which gave them no choice and no rights. But you know what happened in those couple hundred years? They changed the known world because of the gospel of Jesus. They brought down the whole stinking Roman government. And these people didn't have rights. They didn't have privileges. But they had the power. (laughs) Come on now somebody. They had the power. Because they had the good news. And they changed the world. They changed the world. I got to get back to my messenger. We're going to be here to two. The gospel. Is the good news. So. I told you where that word came from. Evangelion, good news, the gospel. But let's take it a step further. What is the gospel? Let's look at Romans 1. I feel like you're with me today and I appreciate it. Romans 1, 16. Notice what Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the good news or the gospel about Christ, for it is the power of God at work. It's the power of God at work. In the New King James, it says it is to salvation. Now in the Bible, salvation doesn't just mean I'm going to get to heaven one day. It's way bigger than that. Salvation, when, when it says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. It means not just Going to heaven in the sweet by and by. It means, in that word salvation, it means deliverance. It means healing. It means wholeness. It doesn't just mean, I'm going to get to heaven one day. That's a very narrow view of what the good news and salvation is all about. God did so much more for you than just that. And if he just did that, that would be more than enough. But he did more than that when the good news is preached and we hear it and receive it, it is the power of God at work in our life. When we hear that good news message and we preach it, there's always a power behind it. Why? Because it's the power of God at work saving everyone. But not just saving them from hell. Saving them from themselves. Saving them from their bondages. Saving them from sickness. Saving them from poverty. Saving them from mental uh, disabilities. Saving them from things that have gone wrong in their life. The power of God's at work not just to get you to heaven. The gospel is that he got heaven into you. Are you with me today? And yes, I believe the gospel has in it that jesus yeah he died on the cross yes he was buried yes he was raised and yeah he did that to forgive your sins and give you new life and yeah you do get to go to heaven but that's not the whole story the gospel is a good news of everything that god has provided in salvation which that's just one part of it He's provided deliverance and healing and wholeness and that we're made new in Him and through Him because of what He's done. The gospel is God at work saving us. Let's read this one more time in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work saving everyone. Everyone. Who believes? Saving everyone who believes. That's the good news message. I want to read some quotes to you about the good news message. Once again, what is the good news? Is it just that Jesus died for us and he saved us and we're going to heaven? That's part of it, but that's not the only part. The good news is the gospel that all that God has done for us and is doing now. There's no end to the end of his goodness that he's given to us and blessed us and he's still at work in our lives here's some great quotes about the gospel the gospel is this we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope The gospel is the good news that God's kingdom has come near through Jesus and through his death and life and resurrection and enthronement and the powers of Satan, sin and death no longer have the last word. That's the gospel. The gospel is Jesus' good news. His gospel is simply this. The kingdom of God has now, through Jesus, become available for ordinary human beings to live in. That is the gospel message. You still with me today? The gospel is not just good news. In reality, it's the goodness of God. And the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. The gospel is not good advice on how you should live your life. The gospel is good news that Jesus' victory has taken place on our behalf. And now, because of that, we are alive. We are saved. We are free. We have peace. The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's not about what we do for God, but it's what God has done for us and set us free. That's the good news. That's the good news. And that good news message must be preached. Even in the word gospel and good news, it's implied that it will be spoken. It will be preached. It will be proclaimed. And it must be. But by who? Preachers? All of us. If people are going to know, we all have to be sharing this good news. Now, we read a a little bit ago, one of the last things that Jesus said was, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. That word preach means to proclaim, to tell, to share. And that's all of our callings, to share that good news message. Now, I have some things I want to share before we close today. You're thinking, aren't you done? not yet I got more than what your behinds can handle but I'm going <laughs> to close in a little bit a little bit for a preacher could mean 5 minutes could be 50 minutes I'm just trying to tell you the truth so expectations are met <laughs> one of the last things Jesus said was preach the gospel in all The world. But before we do that as believers, and I know there might be some people that aren't saved here today, and you can get saved if you want to, but I'm talking to a lot of believers in here. There is a way we must go into the world, and there must be a way that we preach the gospel so it will be effective. And and some of the things I'm going to talk about, you just need to judge your own heart on, and I do too. But as followers of Jesus preaching this good news message, the number one thing I would see as we go into the world and preach the good news is our heart needs to be in a place of compassion. If we want to walk like Jesus walked and do what Jesus did, we have to preach the gospel like he did and he did with compassion. Let's read a verse here, Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing was that the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Notice his response here, though. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. When we go into our worlds every day and share this good news message, all of us as believers should embody compassion like Jesus did. Here's what I've seen in the church world, and this is all I've ever known. All 35 years of my life, I've been raised in church, in the pastor's home, haven't missed a service. I've been here My whole life. And I've seen a lot of believers. This is why a lot of times I see believers. It makes no sense to me. But a lot of believers. Almost act irritated. Uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) And frustrated with people that don't know the good news yet. And the Bible says that Jesus when he saw them. He wasn't irritated and angry and. Roasted up on Facebook. I'm going to let them know what I'm talking about. (laughs) What did it say? Can we bring that verse 35 up here again? When he saw them, actually 36, thank you for that. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were confused and helpless. When we go into our world and share the good news, something that's lacking in a lot of believers' life, judge yourself right now is compassion you're like well well no one wants to get saved yeah because you're mean at work (laughs) well no one wants to get saved yeah because you're frustrated at the person at your job that's asking questions and they just want to know because they want to know what you believe we must be compassionate. Why? Because Jesus was compassionate. And when you receive Jesus, he puts that love in your heart. And if we're going to reach people with the good news, we have to be moved with compassion. What does the Bible say? Why? Because they're confused and helpless. What is that? Without Jesus, we're all confused and helpless. So what else do you expect people to act like? You're expecting people to act like church people and Christians who are not church people and Christians. The Bible says without God, they're confused and helpless, so they're going to act confused and helpless. Why? Because they need you to help them. And our help needs to be full of compassion. Now, the Bible uses words like this. When it refers to people who don't know God, it says they're lost. They're lost. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. When the prodigal son came home, it said my son who was lost is now found. So Jesus said people that don't know God are confused, helpless, and lost. Why would we be angry with them? Why would we, be, we would be frustrated with them for being lost? You know, if, if, if you met somebody out in public and you could genuinely tell they were confused and they seemed helpless and they were lost and they asked you for help, you wouldn't be a jerk to them, would you? You'd be like, get away from me. You should know where you're going. You would say, oh, you need help? You got lost? Let me help you find your way back home. You'd be compassionate, but in the church world, we get anger when people act that way. I'm not getting anything in this Methodist church. Another way that the Bible says it when people don't know God, it says that they're spiritually blind. So in public, if somebody was legitimately blind and came to, came up to you and was asking for help, what would you say? You should be able to see, man. I can't help you, but that's what Christians do to people that aren't Christians. If you saw a blind person, they asked for help, you would say, yeah, give me your hand. I'll help you. I'll take you over here. It's all right. If someone was lost, you would say, yeah, I can help you. I know know one time before, because I'm not always good at knowing the names of roads, I know how to get everywhere. I know every back road, but I just don't know the names of all the roads. Are you with me? And so I've had people before ask me for directions, and I'm like. (laughs) And you know what I've had to do many times, and I've actually done this for several people? I can't tell you exactly what the road is, but I can show you. And there's been many times I said, I'm going to get in my truck, and you follow me, and I'll drive you to where you need to go, and you can just follow me. And that's what compassion is when we share our faith. You don't got to know all the road names. All you got to say is, get behind me and follow me. I'll even grab your hand. I'll help you. I realize you're helpless right now. You're a little confused. You're a little blind. You're a little lost right now. And that's okay. That's not your fault. But I'll tell you what, you just follow me and I'll help you find your way back home. And that's what we as believers are called to do to preach the good news with compassion. You know, a good way to renew your compassion is this, realizing at one time you were blind, lost, confused, helpless, and someone did that for you. Compassion. When we're sharing the good news message, compassion should be the hallmark of our life. The Bible says they will know we are believers and followers of Jesus by our love, our compassion for people, loving people, caring for people, and working our best to help people get back to God, get back home, get restored get delivered, get saved, get back to this place of wholeness. Why? Because someone did that for us one time. And don't get mad at people because they're in this condition of being helpless and lost and blind. That's what the enemy does to people. And they just need somebody with love to speak up. People will never be saved by our arguments (laughs) people will never be saved by our harshness and telling people you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done that well you shouldn't have done a lot of things yourself either (laughs) you know how they're going to be saved and come to the knowledge of the good news by our love our compassion our compassion you with me? Yeah. I got to land this plane. But I got so much gas in the airplane, I feel like I want to keep flying. <sighs> Here's another thing we need to realize as believers. We are responsible for others. Romans 1 in verse 14. Notice what Paul says about this Roman church he's about to preach to. For I have a great sense of obligation to people both in the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Bible uses these words, and it says that we as believers who already have been found, And already have been saved, we are obligated and responsible for people who don't know yet. In the King James Version, it says that he's a debtor. Paul says, I'm a debtor to everyone who doesn't know. Why? Because God did this for us, I'm in debt to Him forever. This gift He gave me, I could never pay back and He's not expecting me to. But how do I show Him that I appreciate the gift of salvation He gave me? I'm in debt to Him to share this good news with everyone I know. So I'm not just the only person that comes to the knowledge of this, but I see everyone come and hear the good news message. And I'm responsible for others who have not yet heard yet. So many of us Don't say amen too loud because we'll know where you're at. (laughs) Say stuff like this. "Yeah, That's not my problem. I mean, it's not my business. It's not. And it's not my life. They can do whatever they want to do. It's not my problem. That's not what the Bible says. Paul said... I have an obligation to everybody to share this good news message. I am responsible for them. And I owe it to them and to God to speak up and share this good news. A lot of times we act like, "Uh, you know, it's not my issue, man. It's not my problem. But it is as a follower of Jesus, everyone who doesn't know him yet is someone you're responsible for. Someone that we owe to share the good news message about. Because of what he's done and because of love that we want to share it with other people. We're in debt to share that message. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, Christ's love compels us to do something. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. So we are all, all of us in here, Christ ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. No, we're all responsible because we receive this great gift. We're the ones to go out and say, come back to God. Hear the good news. Be reconciled to God because God has reconciled us to himself. I love the way the passion Says this in Romans 1, verse 14. If we could bring it up here. I like this translation. Notice love obligates me to preach to everyone. No, it's not out of duty, not because you're being forced to, because the pastor made you feel bad. But love obligates me to preach to everyone. To those who are among the elite or those who are among the outcast, to those who are wise and educated, as well as to those who are foolish and unlearned brother daryl could you come play did you guys get anything today i have a few more things i want to share and uh we'll close today this is only part one i got a lot more it's gonna be a great several weeks so when we're sharing our faith and we're sharing the good news we need to be compassionate but we also need to realize we are responsible for others I want to close with a few thoughts and we'll pick this up next week as well but we share our faith when the good news has changed us now think about this people that share the good news have been changed by the good news thinking that's what we pay you for pastor (laughs) people that have been changed by the good news are the ones that invite people into a relationship with Jesus so this is where I'm going to tell you to start today is that we as followers of Jesus need to let the good news change us again if it's going to change anybody else You know how I know this works? Because when all of us first got saved, the good news was alive to us. The good news was the only thing that we could think about. The good news was what we woke up thinking about because we had just been saved. And you know, when you just got saved, the gospel had just changed you the byproduct of that is you wanted to share that with everybody else no one had to force you to do it no one had to twist your arm no one had to guilt trip you into it you just shared about it because the gospel was that good and it had just changed you and for a lot of us in here when we don't share our faith and i mean this with no guilt condemnation or anything i'm saying this to myself as well when you've been in god a long time Sometimes that good news gospel message drifts from you. And you forget what God really did for you all those years ago. You forget how God really healed you and delivered you and set you free. You forget what you looked like when you were lost. And that's why we need to constantly be rehearsing that good news message to ourselves. Because if it's alive in us, it will be alive in other people. If the good news has changed us, it will change other people. And so I'm asking you today, as we start into the series, maybe you've been saved a long time, or maybe you were just saved last week, but wherever you're at, let the gospel change you. And trust me, as a byproduct, you're going to start sharing that good news with other people. No one will have to ask you to do that. You'll just do it because you've experienced God's goodness. You know, No one has to encourage people to share about a good restaurant. You know? No one has to encourage people to share about a good sports team. No one has to encourage people to share about a good party. Why? If something's so good and you've tasted and seen and experienced and it's changed you, you just talk about it. You're telling everybody at work, they don't even care. They they eat at McDonald's, and you're telling them about this high-end restaurant in Louisville. Oh, you got to go there. Oh, you have to try the the grape coupon. Oh, you have to get the steak. Oh, you have to get this dressing. Oh, my gosh. This was the best restaurant. And they're thinking, dude, I only go to McDonald's. I don't even know what you're talking about. But what happened, the goodness of that restaurant changed you, and you had to share the news about it. Or if you saw a show on Netflix, you're like, oh, you got to see season three. You have to watch this. i got people, and I love Star Wars, but there's Star Wars people, and then there's Star Wars people. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I've had people tell this to me before. Oh, you have to watch season so-and-so of Clone Wars, and you have to watch this and that. I'm like, okay. Why? Because it's good to them, and they've experienced it. And so they naturally have to say it because it's changed them. When you've experienced something so good and it's changed your life and it's not in the past but it's in the present and you're living with that reality you've got to share it. You got to talk about it. No one has to force you to do it. No one has to guilt you into do it. It's just so good. You got to talk about it. And what about is is good more than the good news? The good news is the greatest thing that could ever be talked about. That could be ever shared. That could be ever experienced is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that good? But when we experience the good news, not just in the past but in the present it's alive to us it'll be alive to other people it start changing other people the good news when it changes us it will change others I'm really closing I promise you guys getting something today (laughs) I feel like Bishop Jakes I need to wipe my head (laughs) Lastly, and we're going to continue these these thoughts and ideas and build on it in the next several weeks. But when the gospel has changed you and you share that, all God's asking you to do is share your story. You don't need to tell everybody else's story. You just need to share your story. The Bible calls that being a witness. The Bible says that when we share our faith, that's being a witness. Now, now what does a witness do? It's very simple. This is all a witness does. When they get up and they have them sitting there, they say, what have you seen, heard, and experienced? And that's all you need to say That's what the Bible says, being a witness or sharing your story. And that's all God's looking for you to do. And his power will come in if you just share your story on how the good news has changed your life, on how the good news has healed your marriage, on how the good news has healed your children, on how the good news has changed your mind, on how the good news has turned you into a different person, on how the good news has brought you to this place of wholeness. You just share your story, and all you got to do is share what you've seen, heard, and experienced. God can work with that. You don't need to know all the details. You don't need to know all the verses. You don't need to talk to them about apologetics and all this stuff. Share your story. Just like the early church did. They went around sharing the good news of Jesus, but their story on how it affected them, how it changed them. And there's power on your story to share what you've seen, heard, and experienced. Now, there's this thing that takes place, and this is my last verse, I promise. In the book of Acts, it talks about right after Jesus had ascended to heaven, the church started, and the Spirit of God was poured out. And immediately, these early believers went out into their world and started sharing their story, sharing their faith. And they just repeated what they had seen, heard, and experienced. But there was power on it because when they would share their story, people would start getting healed. People would start getting delivered. People would come to the knowledge of salvation and what Jesus had done for them. And there's this passage in Acts 4. Peter and John had been at this place and there was a lame man and they prayed for him and they believed for healing and that man got up and he said when he got up, the whole town knew about it and so these early believers went in and the government at that time didn't want to hear anything more about this Jesus or this power so they arrested Peter and John for this healing and i love their response because they literally told them please stop sharing about Jesus please stop sharing your story please stop doing this because there's power in it and i love this response and this should be all of our responses acts 4:19 but Peter and John replied do you think god wants us to obey You rather than him. I love this. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. And I don't know about you, but I know with my story, how could I do anything else with my life? I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. I've known too much. How could I stop telling about what I've seen and heard and experienced? I've been in church my whole life. And I've seen people get healed of cancer. I've seen people get new hearts and go back to the doctor that they got a new heart. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen legs grow out. I've seen eyes open. I've seen deliverance take place. Demons cast out of people. I've seen people get back in their right mind. I've seen God save people that had every addiction you can imagine, and the next week they were completely normal. I have seen God do exceedingly above what all I can ask, think, or imagine. How could I be quiet the rest of my life? I can't stop telling what I've seen and heard heard and that's all God is asking for you to do is you share what you've seen and heard and experienced that's being a witness because somebody needs to know that somebody's looking for somebody to say I knew God could do that but I've never met anybody that said that I needed hope, but no one ever told me that I needed faith, but no one ever shared that with me. I needed good news, but that was the first time I've ever heard that, sharing your story. But getting so full of that, of what God has done for you, you can be like Peter and John and say, I can't stop telling about this. I don't got to be encouraged. I don't got to be prodded. I don't got to be guilted into this. I can't stop telling what I've seen and heard and experienced in the goodness of God. I can't stop, I can't stop, because the good news is that good. Could you stand up today? Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today.